0: I'm trying to weave a tapestry over the next several weeks. There are several strands I'm thinking that I'm trying to weave together, and all of these different strands have got to be present to get the whole picture. I said last Sunday that our job in the kingdom of God is to announce the kingdom and to demonstrate life in the kingdom. The demonstration is the way we live the life of the kingdom in front of our neighbors and coworkers. The announcement of the kingdom is the telling of our story as it relates to the story of God. So our job is announcement and demonstration. To help us work on the announcement part, I've asked you to write your story, and I want you to share your story so that you have practiced sharing your story That's why I'm asking for volunteers to help me on Sunday morning to share your story. And if you need help, we'll help you do that. We will talk this week and in the coming weeks about the demonstration part. But to highlight the importance of the demonstration, I've placed two banners in the church. They read, we are the visible expression of Christ in the world. You are God's press secretary. You are God's representative. You are God's ambassador. You are the only expression of Jesus that some folks will ever get to see. It's a heavy responsibility. How you demonstrate life in the kingdom matters. And when I say that, I don't mean just us here in the Church of the Nazarene. I mean all Christians who are demonstrating the life of Jesus around the world are the visible expression of Christ in the world. So we're weaving together demonstration, announcement, together with a call to commitment and transformation, and I'm hoping you can pull all those things together. I know that you can. This morning, I want to read a passage of scripture found in the Gospel according to Mark, and the 12th chapter. Mark 12, beginning in verse 28. I'll read the entire section. Uh, the theme verse is on the screen. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Mark twelve twenty-eight. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating noticing that jesus had given them a good answer he asked them of all the commandments which is the most important the most important one answered jesus is this hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength the second is this love your neighbor as yourself This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This is the story of Jesus' response to the question of which is the greatest commandment. And when we talk about this story, we typically focus on the second part of the story. The second part, which is the part where Jesus adds, love your neighbor as yourself, because we didn't expect him to say that. But in our preoccupation with the second part of the story, it's easy to forget what the most important command was. It's really specific. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Now, you probably know that the Ten Commandments were the law given to humanity to teach them how to live appropriately. That some of the Jews had spun off what they called a hedge around the law, additional laws they created for us to observe so that we could be sure to keep the Ten Commandments. There were another 613 laws that were written. You've probably heard that before. And it makes sense for a scholar to ask Jesus among these 613 laws, which are the most important? It can get confusing. What, what's most important? And so Jesus cuts through all the red tape and simply says the very most important thing is loving god loving god if that's the very most important thing it's fair to ask the question how do you practically do that i mean how do you love god especially when god is not physically or visually present you can't give god a hug so i mean how do you how do you love god and you love god in part in main part by worshiping. Love is an action that results from choices and sometimes feelings. If you go back through the Old Testament, you'll find lots of different words that are used for worship. And I'd like to just walk through some of them. I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm relying on the advice of Hebrew scholars whom I've read to help me understand what these translations means. And one of the first significant words used for worship in the Old Testament, one that helps us how we demonstrate worship, putting worship into into action, is to bow down. We we bow down before another. We, We symbolize submission to in the act of bowing down. You know, if you um, ever read any articles about precedence in the royal family in Great Britain, you know, there's a really strict order of who has to bow or curtsy to whom. They're really complicated rules, but you do know that the grandkids don't have to bow down. The great-grandkids don't have to bow down until at least they're five because they get a pass until then. But as soon as they're five, By that time, they ought to have been trained to bow down, to recognize a demonstration of submission before God is significant. We read it in Psalm 95. Let's see the words that are here. Come, let us worship and bow down. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, For he is our God and we are the people of his past. We sing that, don't we? Come, let us worship and bow down. Let
1: us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. You can jump in. And the sheep of his hand just the sheep of his hand maybe you've
0: heard us sing this song before
1: lord i will bow to you to no other god but you alone lord i will worship you Nothing hands have made, but you alone. I will lay down my idols, thrones I have made. All that has taken my heart. Bow to you, to no other God but
0: you alone. A significant part of worship is to bow in submission in any way we can think of, right? Submitting ourselves to God is an act of worship. There's another Hebrew word. That is translated giving thanks to god but ultimately carries also the meaning of making a confession when we give thanks to god for something or for himself we acknowledge that more is going on than we see that we have been gifted and blessed by god in ways that we don't completely comprehend and so the very act of acknowledging the gifts that god has given us is an act of worship and so we we give thanks. We, we sing a song like this.
1: Better. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us.
0: Give thanks. But that word doesn't mean just give thanks. It also means make a confession. When we say confession, I'm not talking about the sense of making a confession like I did something wrong and I'm admitting it. I'm saying make a confession in terms of this is what I believe to be true. Okay, this is, this is my faith. This is, this is me owning up to who I am, to being identified as a child of God, confessing what I believe. And in the church of the Jesus Christ, we have a standard confession, don't we? Let's read it together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This is the confession that we make, and it is, it is worship, for us. It is identifying with God and saying, we are your children. We confess our faith. There's another word used in Scripture for worship, and it sneaks out in our liturgy every now and again, but I think we forget this word occasionally, and it's a word that translated means the fear of God. When we dedicate children, one of the older rituals used to say raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We don't often use that ritual anymore because in our modern way of thinking, we don't want to be afraid of God. We know God loves us. We want to enter into a rich relationship with God. And yet, there should be an element of awesome respect when we recognize we're invited into the presence of the one who created the universe with a spoken word, right? The fear of the Lord makes sense if we get a true picture to the extent that we can ever completely understand how awesome this God is. We teach our teens to sing, Our God
1: is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and
0: love. Our God is an awesome God. I mean, that's the thinking, isn't it? There's a healthy sense of fear when you step into the presence of a living God because what? Our God is a consuming fire. And part of worship is understanding that and respecting that. There are other expressions of worship, specifically found in the Psalms. I'm I'm thinking about Psalm 27 here. This is what Psalm 27 says, verse seven. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. The the worshiper seeks God and, and waits for God. Specific times where I I pause all my activity and I quiet myself in his presence and I seek him and I wait for him and I I diligently desire to hear from him and I and I set aside other agendas so I can focus on him. We sing the song Oh how my heart yearns for thee. Do you remember this?
1: Oh how my heart yearns. Yearns for Thee Oh, how my heart yearns for Thee More than the watchman Waits for the morning Just like a river Runs to the sea And as the deer that's panting for water, my heart is yearning for Thee. Lord, I am yearning for Thee.
0: Worship isn't just singing it's not just confessing it's not just seeking and waiting worship is also praying it's addressing the one into whose throne room we've been invited the psalmist and the scripture writers give us many examples of prayers we can use if our words fail us search me God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts. The saints of every age have written prayers that we can adopt as our own if our words are lost. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we might perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify Thy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In prayer, we acknowledge God and His power. We state our reliance on Him. We describe our need for His presence in order to please Him and in order to be transformed into His image. We're not going to accomplish that on our own. Spiritual formation isn't about us polishing up the exterior of the package. Spiritual formation is about being available to God and seeking Him to pour His grace into our lives so we can be what He wants us to be. And then confessing when it doesn't match, when our behavior and the goal He establishes for us, when they're diverse, That's when we drive back into prayer again and we say, Holy Spirit, help us. This is worship. This is worship when we acknowledge he is the source of everything good in us and that we need his help if we're going to be transformed. Asking for the needs of the world. Asking for the needs of the church and our neighbors and our friends and for ourselves. This this interceding on behalf of others is a part of our worship of god we have to seek his kingdom right we we sing this seek ye first the
1: kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you
0: a major part of worship is bringing gifts bringing offerings making sacrifices to the one that we love For some folks, this is almost the center of worship. This idea that we haven't fully loved God until we acknowledge that we are in his debt and we have to respond somehow to the ways he's blessed us. We had an Old Testament sacrificial system, but that's been updated. And now we bring gifts to God that reflect the level of our love for him. Do you understand giving in those terms? When you read that passage of scripture where Jesus is at the court of the women, where all of the offering trumpets were, and the widow walks in and puts her two mites in, and Jesus gets all excited about that because those two mites actually demonstrate the level of her love for God. There's a correlation. Lots of folks are given lots of money, but the person whose gift demonstrates the correlation between her love and her gift is the one that Jesus cites because the giving flows from loving. That's what makes giving an act of worship. That's why sacrifices like this are at the heart of worship. This is my
1: desire to honor you Lord with all my heart I worship you I give you praise all that I.
0: The sacrificial system of the Old Testament is updated in the New Testament. And part of our worship here is acknowledging that Jesus Christ has made the one perfect sacrifice for us. And every time we receive the sacrament of communion, we're reminded that Jesus loved us enough to die for us. That's the central meaning of Christianity. It's the reason the cross is our symbol. Because every time we look at it, we remember someone loved us enough to die for us, and that someone was God. Worship can be clapping, worship can be dancing, worship can be weeping. All expressions of the attitude of the heart. And all of these actions are a piece of different ways of us to worship. But I guess the question for us is is most of what I've talked about happens in the sanctuary. What about everyday life when you're not in church? How do you worship outside of these walls? How did the early church worship? Well, you know, we read in Acts 2:46 that they they attended to the prayers and the temple. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to the fellowship of one another. That, that's what they did. That's what Acts tells us the early church did through the week. So the, through the week, they attended the prayers. They were talking about ritual prayers, the, the three times a week, three times a day, excuse me, prayers. And they were studying the scripture that they knew, which would have been the Old Testament, and the apostles' teaching, which was the emerging writings of the apostles. You know it's interesting uh, in the Reformation you don't have those particular church fathers talking much about ritual prayers the three times a day praying and one of the reasons uh, I didn't realize this before this week till I was studying that probably you don't hear the Reformation fathers talking about the three times a day praying that the early church did was because the most important document that cites it wasn't found till the 18th century and so the Reformation fathers didn't have any way to know that the early church was praying three times a day according to the Jewish custom, at nine in the morning, at noon, at three in the afternoon. But one of the other early, morning, early fathers, Tertullian, said, we really ought to be praying before meals, no, in the morning, in the evening, the three ritual times of the prayer, of prayers, before we eat and before we bathe. I thought, you know, I've done the praying before I eat before, but I haven't done the praying before I bathe before. And, and the, um, the rationale was this. Before you refresh your body, you ought to refresh your spirit. Interesting, isn't it? That this attending to the life of the spirit should be daily daily. Almost hourly expressed that worship happens throughout the day. And they they tied some passages of Scripture to these prayers. In the morning, you said the Lord's Prayer. At noon, you recited Psalm 23. At 3 p.m., you recited Psalm 117. Have you ever recited Psalm 117 in the afternoon? Let's try it. I commend it to you right now. My Sarah, would you turn the screen? Here it is. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. It would be good for your soul to say that once every day. It would be a great thing to help us continually and daily worship. They continued in the apostles' teaching, which was the study of Scripture on a daily basis. They broke bread and fellowshiped on a daily basis. And the Lord's Supper reminds us of one of the ways we continually do that. And so I ask you again, what level of attention do you give to worship? How necessary is worship for you? How much of a priority is worship for you weekly or daily? Worship is the foundation of every other thing we do in the Christian life. There is no growth in faith without continuous worship. One of the reasons I like a particular old hymn is because it seems to acknowledge the fact that I don't, that I'm not always in the proper place mentally and emotionally to worship, and so I have to ask God to help me do it. Maybe you remember this old hymn. If you do, sing it along. If not, listen.
1: Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, Mount of God's redeeming love. O to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, Bind my yielded heart to Thee. Let me know Thee in Thy fullness. Guide me by Thy mighty hand. Till transformed in Thine own image, in Your presence
0: I shall stand. Would you stand with me and sing one last song of worship together?
2: i sing praise to the king of kings you are my everything and i will adore you
0: holy 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 lord god of power and might heaven and earth are full of your glory. Worthy is the lamb to receive power and glory and honor and blessing. To the only wise God, eternal, invisible, immortal, to you be praise in this and every generation. Gracious God, by your mercy and by the power of the Holy Spirit, May we live in your praise and worship you every moment that we have. Transform us by our connection to you and grace us with your presence that we might demonstrate life in the kingdom. To your glory we pray. Amen. Go in peace.